listening to Octagon 24-7 podcast, MMA FanCast. It's MMA for the fans, by the fans. We talk about only the important things you want to hear. Hey, this is Mike Goldberg, the voice of Bellator MMA on Spike. Join us right now for MMA FanCast. Hello once again, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to MMA FanCast. Another week and another episode. We are here with you recording from the studio of Octagon247.com, as well as from Andrew Bailey's, what, what is it, living room? What is it? Apartment, home office. Home office. Um, and so... Uh, we are so happy to have you with us. I didn't really give that formal introduction. I want to give a correct and proper introduction. So, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ryan Middleton, and I am the host of MMA FanCast, brought to you by Octagon247.com. And joining me this evening is the uh, a man who's made quite a name for himself very quickly on the website and on the podcast, Ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Dice Bailey. Everyone's favorite ginger has returned. Settle down. Excited to be back. We do have a ginger theme on this um, on this podcast. Everyone but me, who is a regular, uh, is is a ginger. And Jim. Jim. Yeah. Well, I mean, he 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 doesn't have hair, but <laughs> but. It is um, red. Okay, but he's also afraid of the sun and covered in freckles. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, afraid of his own shadow and, yeah, a bunch of things he, he's afraid of. Soulless, you know, all those. Correct. How, how you doing, brother? How was your, how's your week? Doing good. Uh, week, was, week was long, kind of slow in the fight game this week. Not much going on. Sitting around waiting for fights. Just a whole lot of anticipating going on. And that's what we're going to talk about, what the things that we're anticipating. Um, so, so happy to have you with us. You know, the, the first thing I really want to attack, Andrew, is um, obviously with Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, there's a whole lot of, uh, of excitement with that fight going on and, and, you know, it's really caused a lot of other people to want to cross over or have that, like, appeal level. And most recently, it has brought basically two, two, two guys, uh, UK boxer Tom Bellow, Bellew and Michael Bisbing have agreed uh, amongst themselves to fight. But I mean, is this going too far already? It's just getting silly at this point. I mean, Michael Bisbing, God love him, he can do it every once since he knocked out Luke Rockhold, one of the most improbable fights ever at UFC 199. He can do it every once at this point in his career. He's old. He only has one eye that's real, and <laughs> I just 
it, it's getting silly. Everybody just sees the payday Connor's about to get, and they want to cash in. Dana White's feeling the pressure of anybody. Yeah. So, I just feel like, okay, Conor McGregor's one thing because he has stepped up and he's always been in big fights. I mean, he's always taken the the biggest fight available. Whereas Bisbing has done the exact opposite and and for some reason Bisbing is thinking he's doing he's like stepping up like McGregor is. Every it's just the Connor effect. Everybody you see more people talking trash and trying to be brash when it's not in their personality, and it just comes off childish and foolish. And everybody's just trying to capitalize, man. They want the payday. They want the Connor effect. I mean, who does? I, I'd do it. I'd talk trash and try to sell myself as a boxer if I got paid that much or a tenth of that much. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know. Who is – I mean, you follow boxing a little bit more than me, right? I mean, me following boxing a little bit more than you is not saying too much, but uh, I, I'm not too familiar with Tony Blue. I'm looking him up right now. Okay, yeah, I, I don't know. I've never seen his name before today in my life, and, I mean, I don't really follow boxing, but I am a traditional boxing fan. Like, I was a huge boxing fan growing up and and really loved the sport, essentially, Uh through Tyson's years and and even into uh, Holyfield's years and even a little bit into um, what's the British guys Lennox Lewis's years and that that's kind of where it fell off at that point um, and I yes I did primarily watch heavyweights but um, I would also watch you know I remember watching Sugar Ray Leonard and and Hearns fight. Uh, I think they fought. I think they fought before that, but I think I watched the second time they fought. But find out anything about this Baloo dude? Yeah, he's 34. Holds a professional record of 29 wins and two losses. Has not lost since 2013. And has it, he fought anyone whose name you recognize? David Hay was his last fight. That oh, he fought David Hay. Yeah, he knocked him out in the 11th round. Okay, okay, cool. Here's his last fights from David Hay down. Um, TKO in the 11th over David Hay. TKO in the 3rd over BJ Flores. KO in the 3rd over Alunga Makabu. Yeah, I don't think you need to go any further than that. <laughs> Being that I, you know, don't really know any of those guys. I know David Hay, obviously. I know the name. He um, is the... WBC cruiserweight champion. Yeah, but there's 1,400 champions in boxing, so. Well, that's true, but yeah, but that's who this Tony guy is. I think, I think it's all just publicity. Michael trying to, Michael Bisping trying to get some money, and honestly, I can't blame him. But this fight will never happen. What do you think about the news today? Uh, well, McGregor and Mayweather will, in fact, uh, this is something I just thought wasn't ever gonna happen but it, it has they are in fact going to use the eight ounce gloves what how do you think that affects this fight how do you think that affects anything if if anything it favors mcgregor because he's used to wearing four ounce gloves and fighting in those and even two ounces changing gloves is is a, is a big deal i mean you feel the weight when you carry it and 
Connor has had some fatigue issues in the past, so this can only benefit him in that in that regard. It also means Floyd's going to hit harder, and his arms aren't going to tire out as fast. He's never had conditioning problems, but I think it's a big win for Connor. But it's interesting the NSAC went against their own rules in this case. It was really bizarre this even happened. What, what do you mean their own rules? Well, their rules stipulate that fighters at 154 pounds have to wear 10 ounce gloves, and underneath that you can wear the eight ounces. Like I guess round 147 is where you wear eight-ounce gloves, and this is the first time they've ever allowed this. Oh, that's interesting because, I I mean, from what I saw, and and I don't know, I guess Mayweather must must weigh 147 naturally um, or fought at that level or or lower um, because 46 of his 49 fights have been with eight-ounce gloves. Yeah, yeah, he's he's fought, he fights. He had most of his career underneath 150. Has, and he, has he ever fought at 154? I think he – let me find out. He fought Canelo Alvarez a little heavier. Okay. I um, – you know, I wonder – I'm curious what Mayweather's going to come in weighing for this fight if he's going to try to stay heavy or if he's going to try to be a little leaner. His lawyer said 150 today. His lawyer said that? Yeah. Was it... He just, like, his lawyer speaks on his behalf just randomly? Apparently so. That's, uh... I'm gonna have my lawyer, um, respond to that. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't... I, I'm... Where's your excitement level for uh, the McGregor fight at this point? Like we discussed last week, it's building... But slowly, hearing all the news today got the feeling burning a little bit again. Plus, since I'm just like hurting for a fight at this point of any kind, like I will go, I'll pay people to go fight in the back alley at this point. I'm just kidding. But I just really need to watch fights and just I, I'm craving something. If anything, how are you feeling? See, I, I, I got to admit, like I'm not all that excited. I mean, I know I will get excited about it, but right now, I, I just. It's not there. I think I'm more excited for next Tuesday night by far at this point. The walls of Cherico will prevail. Dude, all the Cherokeaholics in Pittsburgh are going crazy. It, it, it's, it's real, man. It, it's actually like for a long time we discussed it. It never felt like it was going to get here, but we are six days away from Mark Cherico. No, we're – we're basically five at this point because our listeners aren't going to be tuning in until at least Thursday morning. Oh, well, as of Wednesday night, we are six days away and I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just if you haven't, uh, if you haven't seen available on our website, check out octagon247.com. Um, we had we went down to where Mark Cherko spends some of his time training at the mat factory out when he's, uh, you know, they do a lot of crossover training with the different, um, gyms in the area. And those guys, you know, there's some great guys at each gym, but, um, compared to, you know, a bigger fight city like Los Angeles or, you know, the Bay area or down in Florida, they don't have 
50 fighters at each gym that are like solid, solid guys. So those guys have really over the last couple of years have really started to work well together. And, and I think that's really Im- improved their games and given them the opportunity to, uh, to, to form, uh, you know, a really solid base for MMA fighter here in Pittsburgh, because, um, it used to be like, look at Cody Garbrandt. Cody Garbrandt trained in Pittsburgh um, for many years, and then when he was climbing up the ranks, he had to actually leave and go to California, move out to California to join Team Alpha Male to be able to really, or at least he thought, to be able to take it to the next level. And so, although his striking coach still lives here in Pittsburgh, um, who happens to be his uncle as well, or in the area. He still trains people in striking here in Pittsburgh. Um, so we got all access to uh, join Mark Cherico and, and Dominic Mazzotta, who's a Bellator fighter. And, and obviously, if I haven't said it already, Mark Cherico is making his UFC debut next Tuesday night, August 22nd, at uh, on Fight Pass at Dana White uh contender series Tuesday night contender series so we had all access to them we we spent the evening with with them and had a great time they were uh extremely gracious and spent I mean I interviewed him for a good 50 minutes and he was very uh you know after a uh, after a practice and um you know he didn't not something he had to do and was very gracious so we're very appreciative of that but I mean, uh, we made a video kind of capturing who is Mark Cherico. So you're like, these guys keep talking about Mark Cherico on MMA FanCast. Who, who is this guy? Check it out, octagon247.com. Um, you, you'll find the Mark Cherico article, and there's a YouTube link in there um, that you can watch the video on. What did you think of the video? Video is awesome, man. I mean, how can you not get behind Jericho? I mean, you just you just feel like he's going in to next Tuesday with all of Pittsburgh with him. You just you 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 feel like you can relate to him. You feel like he's just the guy next door that you can hang out with and you trains MMA in his spare time. You know, Mark Jericho is the real deal. And those of you who do not know about him, you need to do a deep dive quickly. Get behind this guy and prepare for Tuesday night. It's gonna be it's, there's gonna be a finish. Quick. Let, let me tell you, I firmly believe this isn't this isn't even a fair fight. He's going to dominate Mike Santiago. He's going to dominate him. It, it's these guys are on different levels. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna restrain myself a little bit because I want to give a full uh, prediction next week. But I mean. You know I'm going with Jericho, but I'm going to save the the how and all that just for a little bit later. Yeah, you. I mean, you have you have become a Cherokeeholic. I'm behind anybody that's real and passionate and works hard, and Mark Jericho is the epitome of all of those. He is the quintessential hard worker. He is uh, one quarter of the Yinzer Scrap Pack, which is uh, the the little group that they have. They they call themselves here. It's it's it's. All in fun. Um, But a Yinzer, for those of you who are outside of the Pittsburgh area, which we have plenty of you, so I just want to educate you on what are you talking about, Yinzer. Um, There's a local dialect 
that's, uh, you know, some people talk with a heavy Pittsburgh accent. If you've ever heard someone with a Pittsburgh accent. And we call those people Yinzers. Basically, we call all Pittsburghers Yinzers. Um, but there's a Yins is a word we say. It, it's basically you all. But we say, hey, are Yins going down there? And then people look at you strange if they're not from the area. Kind of like, kind of like Andrew's looking at me right now. A little strange, but I'm no comment, no insult, just because it's going to come back to some West Virginia joke. So, no comment. Hey, did you happen to hear um, or see rather the interview that um, Mayweather did on Jimmy Kimmel? No, you he, must educate me. He was on Jimmy Kimmel. And Jimmy Kimmel was asking him, you know, what are you going to do if he if Conor McGregor kicks you or something? And Mayweather basically led led us to believe he didn't know exactly what the fine amount would be, but but basically said he could lose like I don't know something like ninety percent of his purse if he did something like that. I wonder if it's just throwing a kick or actually kicking him. Because if he could just throw a kick with his martial arts background, he could gauge the distance. Just throw one, you know, an inch past his head. Just let him know it's there. <laughs> uh, well, if you wanted to risk landing that kick. Oh, that would be the perfect finish for this circus of a fight. <laughs> you got Conor McGregor KOs Floyd Mayweather with a legal kick in third round. Well, yeah, I... I don't think there's going to be any of that just because I, I, from what I understand, it's just such a severe, heavy penalty that I don't think you flirt with that. I don't think you will either. I think he'll be a consummate professional and doesn't want, doesn't want anything to take away from the boxing that he's going to put on. Doesn't want to have a, just an excuse for naysayers to get to, well, you threw a kick and scared him or anything like of that nature. So I think it'll be straight up boxing. no, I don't think they even need the claws in there, but I bet it makes Floyd sleep better at night. Yeah, hey, we got some. Did you hear the good news this week that um, that Matt Hughes, the former, a long time uh, welterweight champion in the UFC, this is back before. I mean, he was a he was GSP before GSP exi- uh, existed. Um, he, who recently was in a a very bad accident with a train. Um, you hadn't heard that? I'd heard it, but it just never ceases to like be bizarre that Matt Hughes was in a train accident. Yeah, just... yeah. You never get caught in a train accident. Matt Hughes is um rec- had a ve- was very in, in very critical condition, and um, it wasn't a lot of times wasn't looking very good, but uh. It's now coming to light that he is doing very well, and he is doing better than uh, expectations. He's able to get out of bed and into a wheelchair, and this is really good news um, for a guy who was a, just a solid, a solid dude, a solid, great wrestler, a great um, champion, and uh, you know he was one of those. Um, legacy position guys like him and Chuck Liddell and Forrest Griffin um, 
that I think that ended, but he was one of those guys that had that, you know, quote unquote, like a job with the UFC for life. Um, that I, I think ended around when, when Chuck Liddell's ended as well. This is, it's just an amazing story. I mean, you can't help but feel just complete elation for Matt Hughes and his family and everyone involved with it. I am truly just happy, genuinely, for that him and everyone close to him, all his loved ones. This is remarkable. But if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Matt Hughes, the same guy at UFC 45 who was on the verge of being choked out by Tr- Frank Trigg and then lifts him up, slams him, and then chokes him out. Matt Hughes has been and always will be a fighter. Was Who was it that um, you just stirred up a memory, but I don't know if it was that fight. Who? It was, was it that fight? Was, was it? Yes, that he it was that. slammed him and he was actually being choked out at the same time. Yeah. But he woke up first. Pretty. I. It might have been that one. I know Trigg had him in a nasty choke, and then he lifted him up, slammed him, and on the ground, and then he rear naked choked, rear naked choked Frank Trigg. You see that? I see your Steelers cup. Pittsburgh Steelers, Super Bowl bound this year. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Watch out. Who's your Who's your football team? NFL wise, not yeah. really anybody. Sadness. I was a Jaguars fan for a while, but then I decided uh, dabbling in depression wasn't like healthy or conducive to a good lifestyle. What? So I just I just kind of enjoy football. I I love Tom Brady, which is gonna just make you all kinds of happy. I I think I just puked in my mouth. <laughs> Are Le'Veon Bell and uh, Bryant gonna stay on the field this year? I mean, they might. I mean, if they. Stay away from the uh, the old the old marijuana. <laughs> they will be in good shape. I think so. I mean, if if they either one of them blow blow it with that, then their careers are dramatically affected. I mean, Bryant's is over. At least Bell wants that big paycheck too. Yeah, so they're not. I don't. I don't think. I think Bell has to worry about injuries, and he's he's holding out right now. So he'll come around. I I'll tell you one player I actually do really enjoy from the Steelers, which hurts me because I abhor Ohio State is Ryan Shazier. I think Ryan Shazier is just a monster at linebacker. He is unbelievable. He, he's really good. He's the fastest guy on the team. That's that's. Unbelievable. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's freak. That's freak of nature. That's that's absurd, man. But hey, I do the Steelers have a good shot this year. They're gonna be tough, but it'll help if Bell ever comes around, which I, I think he will. And they, they should easily win that division this year. Well, honestly, they need to sign him long term before the season starts. Uh, they they typically don't let that guy go. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the, they've made a couple mistakes with a couple players, but they normally always keep those critical links. They always find a way to sign those those guys. It's it's really messed up right now with running backs and pay in the NFL, and that's the hard part. Is 
you know, Devonta Freeman just got a the highest NFL running back contract in history, and it's only like eight million a year. The NFL pay scale is so messed up. I mean, the the value of running backs used to be, it used to be the most valuable position there was, and now it's like completely devalued. It's a pass happy league, man. They like scoring. They like touchdowns. Roger Goodell likes the flash, and yeah, what what's the highest paid NFL player make? Like nineteen or twenty something? I and think now, in, in the high twenties. So running backs are making like a third of that. Yeah, that's crazy to me. That's, that's the a, well. I mean, there's so few that can like carry a team anymore. That's I mean, it's just not it's not how an offense attacks anymore. It used to be you think about Emmett Smith and the Cowboys. It used to be that you know if. You, <laughs> First and second down just led to another first and second down. Like, you would just run the ball. Yeah, I think oh, – talk about Emmitt Smith. I think he often gets a lot of hate for no reason. You you remember watching him. Like you said, Emmitt Smith is the ultimate, like, six yards, seven yards, five yards kind of running back. Yeah, That's but the thing was his, his offensive line a lot of those years was so good that he didn't get hit until uh, – touched until he was six yards downfield. Kind of like the Cowboys line now. Yeah, the Cowboys line now is awesome. Yeah. I don't Jerry. know. How, I don't know how they do it. They're like the ones that. I mean, actually, the Steelers. That used to be their weakness, and now it's a strength. They're off as long as line. yeah, Pouncey. I mean, as long as Pouncey's healthy, I mean, he's an animal. It's yeah, he's the best a, in the league. They have a lot of guys that are like like Pouncey and Shazier and and Bell that are, like, the best guy in the league when they're healthy, but they're they're not healthy all the time. Hey, so do you want to go to the Michigan-Penn State game together? I went to a Michigan-Penn State game in – this had to have been 2002 in, in Ann Arbor, or maybe 2003 in Ann Arbor, and it was uh, an overtime game. We got We got literally robbed. It was – I mean, you guys just cheated. You guys were in cahoots with the refs. <laughs> I love how it's you guys. Like, I was the one on the field. Well, I mean, you were like eight <laughs> then, so that counts. Hey, I was I was all of 12. Maze and what? Maze and brew. Maze and brew. I, I always – Maze and brew, if you ever uh, get a chance to check out Andrew, he as a um, – Contributor on that website uh, for it's a Michigan uh, football or Michigan everything. Michigan football. Okay, it's a Michigan football site uh, blog. Kind of is that? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, blog website. The lines are so blurred. For the listeners that don't know, my sports fandom is as confusing as like a David Lynch film. So my interests are, are all over the place. But yes, I do love Michigan and. Ryan's a die-hard Penn State fan, so us going a game together would just be lovely. Well, where is the Michigan-Penn State game this year? Happy Valley. Okay, we could definitely go. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what the date is. I know it's it's in October sometime. Yeah, they used to play late in the season. Now they play early. Ever since they realigned the divisions. Yeah, let's see. They play October twenty first. Okay, what's um, MMA? What's October? 
Um, I'm looking on my phone. It always makes for really good podcasts when we both look for something at the same time. All right, so I'm looking at events in October. October 7th is UFC 216. October... Oh, October 20... When did you say? October 21st? Yeah, 21st. <gasps> that might be perfect. You No, work? you can't. You can't. I can't you have, what? You have something that weekend. Oh, yeah, the 20th. I have a Foo Fighters concert with the wife. You are right. You need to let her take a girlfriend. Oh, man. Because we can cover 185, Bellator 185, and then... The next night, next day, go to the Penn State game, Man. and I have a free. I, I I I have a I have a free place to stay close to Penn State. <laughs> if I didn't want my wife to divorce me, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Why couldn't I've just prolonged my wedding like six months? Oh, dude, you got to get rid of those Foo Fighter tickets, bro. Yeah, it's she loves the Foo Fighters. I'm. I'll, I'll enjoy it. I don't have nothing against Dave Grohl, but, man, I would love to go to that Penn State game, just the whiteout. There's me in the maize and blue, just standing proud, mostly sober, having a great time. Yeah, I have, I'll be completely sober. I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on you. <laughs> Someone needs to, and the wife doesn't have an eye on me. You need it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's the same weekend. Dude, honestly, you gotta you got to look at that. You gotta look at that. The very same weekend as Bellator 185, which here's another thing to add to that. Um, Dominic Mazzotta, there's a chance he could be on that card. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So if they put him on that card, and the, and we miss it, dude. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna email Foo Fighters and tell them to cancel. Where, where are you going? Where is it at? Cincinnati. Dude, doesn't your wife have a, any friends in Cincinnati that would love to go with her? She needs to make some. <laughs> oh man, this Foo Fighter thing. Ugh. That Dude. Bellator 185 card. That's the Musasi card, isn't it? Correct. It is. Oh, I'm ready for a gay guard title run. I think he's about to run through everyone. Oh, run through everyone, but it'll be interesting if Roy McDonald moves up. Maybe. I mean, I think Musasi is really good. I mean, look at what Musasi did to Uriah Hall in the rematch. I mean, look at what I, – I just think he is – I mean, he beat Uriah Hall at his own game and then, you know, got the takedown and just beat him into oblivion. Beat him into a puddle. Musasi has been on a tear. Even that Chris Weidman fight that had that controversial finish, he was he was dominating Weidman at that juncture, just the positioning. Well, and... no, I, I don't think he was dominating him. I mean... At that point, he was. It was very in, in that moment. He was. Yeah, yes, yeah. He yes. he had him in a really bad spot. He had. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, Weidman was very compromised in that position, but yeah. it was it was a really good fight. It was that was a good I think one. Weidman was winning the fight until that point, until yeah, that I, spot. Yeah, but it see it felt to me that Musasi was just he he was slowly taking over. He was getting the better of some exchanges, but I mean, revisionist history, you know. Is I think you're a liar. <laughs> I'm repping your boy Musasi, man. Dude, I, I'm a big Chris Weidman fan. I thought Weidman was fairly dominant until that point, and I think that Weidman was in really bad shape at that point. And it was I'm hard just, to watch, but I, I really felt he was doing very well until that point. I'm just glad he righted the ship because for a while there was going to be the wheel one wheel kick was going to like define the end of his career. He just went on that downward spiral after he threw that wheel kick against Rockle and got caught. Yeah. Um. The uh, so did you hear what Mike Winklejohn said about holy uh, holy Holly <laughs> Holly Holm? <laughs> did you hear what he said? He said that he, that Holm was just going to pick Cyborg apart. It's interesting. It's very interesting. They have no fear of Cyborg, and I like it. See, everyone, you can say you don't have a fear of Cyborg until you get in the cage with her. I, I've seen, you know, we've seen Holly Holm lose multiple fights, and she has a lot of holes in her game. I don't see her as a big threat against Cyborg. I mean, Cyborg gets inside on you and starts, you know, just teeing off against get you back up against the cage and starts teeing off it's scary i get like like i feel like oh i is this the is this the time when she kills someone <laughs> see i i fear for other women's lives that are in there with her at times but i think i'm a little higher on home than you are i think I'm not as confident as her coach, Mike Winklejohn, but he knows a lot more about fighting than I do. But still, I think she poses a lot of problems. It would definitely be, I mean, the best fighter Cyborg's face since Gina Carana, your girl. I just don't see... Um, I don't see her as an attack kind of fighter. And I think she needs to be more aggressive against Cyborg. You think Cyborg could fall victim to a counter, though? I mean, she throws these flurries that are like, I don't even see the opportunity for the counter. Yeah, I need to do a deep dive back to some of her old fights and just look. I mean, obviously the flaws could have easily been corrected, but Tanya Evinger just wasn't a well, it wasn't a good enough sample size. I mean, she looked patient and precise, but it was it was Tanya Evinger. No offense well, to her. Well, that was a different fight. That she never looked like that before. I didn't. I, yeah. I didn't even like that side of her. Yeah, that that was that's what's interesting. Is that going to be something that lasts, or is that just you know a one time like a one off? Well, is she? Who's she training with? I mean, I know like Tito's her manager, but who's she training with? Because. If it's Greg Jackson, it looks. I mean, that's kind of what Greg Jackson does to people. He takes. No. A, he takes. Jackson a, trains home. Jackson and Winkle John. Okay, Jackson okay, Because okay. Jackson will kind of take someone who's aggressive, that maybe takes some chances and eliminates that aggression and chances. <laughs> and that can be 
that can be good for like their win loss record, but it sure doesn't make them to be exciting. Yeah, the one person it did help though is uh, Alistair Overeem. I mean, he turned him into a flat runner against Stipe. I've never, I, I don't understand how he kept turning and running away. He did that in his most recent fight too, a couple times. Who did he yeah. most recently fight? Verdum. Yeah, very odd. I, I, I don't quite get that. She Cyborg trains at Shoot Boxing Academy. Oh, Shoot Box. Okay. Okay. Um, so Cyborg in response said, listen, like she's already turned me down three times. I was supposed to fight her at UFC 198 and agreed to fight her at 140 pounds and she didn't want to fight. And then I said, let's fight in Brasilia. And then she said she can, can fight me if I make 138 pounds, not 140. And then when Megan Anderson had to pull out of... UFC 214, I would like, uh, she said I'd like to fight Holly, and Holly said no, and she ended up fighting Betch Correa. Holly did, ended up fighting Betch Correa. Um, and then she continued, she says it's easy when the coach said something, it's better if she says it herself, not her coach. And if she believes that she can pick me apart, uh, and her coach believes that, then let's do this fight. What are you, what are you waiting for? So... I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think that that uh, Cyborg is afraid of anyone, and I don't think she should be any female. I mean, you you have to have that confidence, no matter who you are. But I I agree with you that Cyborg just feels so genuine. She I mean, she's just been a world beater. She has no reason not to feel this way. And honestly. I wish Holm or somebody would talk a little trash and build some interest in an opponent for Cyborg. I think it'd be add an edge to it and help Cyborg back up the card. I think it'd be benefits everybody. Yeah, and then um, most re uh, just to there were a couple fights that were announced. I want to talk about um, as we move off of Cyborg and on to Kevin Lee. And Tony Ferguson. Now, this is a fight that they've been talking about, a potential fight for a while. Is this fight actually signed? Is, it, is this a done deal? I think it's still reported at this point, but with Tony Ferguson, you never know because he's always seeking the big contract and all this, and it's hard to get him to commit to fight anybody except for Habib Nurmagomedov, and the fight never happens. So... Tony Ferguson and Kevin Lee are are it's being discussed that they will fight in a lightweight uh, interim title bout. Actually, Dana White said that Tony Lee, uh, Tony Ferguson, Kevin Lee to fight for interim UFC lightweight title. So that is scheduled to happen at most likely UFC 216, um, according to Dana White. Your thoughts on there being an interim lightweight belt and the fact that this all happens because uh, Conor McGregor took some time off and now he's he's boxing. I hate interim belts. I really hate interim belts, especially in this case. It's just a placeholder just to guarantee who's going to fight Conor McGregor next. And um, it's 
it's for the interim belt. I hate it, but I guarantee that was the only way Tony Ferguson was going to accept the fight. But I do like the fight. I like I like Kevin Lee. He's only 24. He'll be 25 in September. But I'm intrigued by the fight. What do you think? I, I'm intrigued by it as well. It's a little odd that you know number two is fighting Kevin Lee, who is I don't know fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, something like that. Somewhere in there, it's it's interesting. They have no faith in Habib getting this one, or Habib fighting Ferguson after all the fallouts. Well, what what is the deal with that? Why why are they not? Um, what's Habib's deal right now? Well, Ramadan's over. I'm pretty sure, so he can fight again this fall. And they're targeting Edson Barboza, but Barboza has still not been cleared from an injury. So they're holding off on that. But I don't know why they didn't do he and Tony Ferguson. Both people hate each other. They've tried to fight several times. And I don't understand why they didn't capitalize on the animosity and real feelings toward each other. But I feel like Kevin Lee is really going to sell this fight. Kid's young, exciting. I mean, insults your mom sometimes <laughs> by mistake and gets punched at press conferences. But it's great. I love it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting to me. Before we move on past this, is that Tony Ferguson always complains McGregor never defends the belt. Well, it's interesting because Tony has not fought since last November against RDA in Mexico City. Connor's it, fought more recently, but he's he's had fights scheduled that he had training camps for that. Their Mega Madoff ended up weighing um, four hundred twenty six pounds for. He could have accepted a replacement fight and didn't just because he wants the interim belt. He wants this. I like fighters fight. Players going to play, 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 play. Haters <laughs> going to hate, 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 hate. I don't know. I, 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 I like Ferguson, but, yeah, he's got to get in there. He's got to mix it up with someone, right? But now <laughs> you... now he's taking a number seven, and and, and, and I'm critical of that. I think he. I think he needs paid. He hasn't fought. I mean, he got. Did he get all of his purse from the March fallout? I don't know. Well, if not, no, it's time I, for I don't. I don't know. I don't know how that worked. I think that it was like, oh, we'll take care of him. I don't think he got his whole purse, but I could be wrong. Yeah. See, it's time for money, and I think UFC offered him Kevin Lee for an interim belt. I think he views that as an easy victory. And they also had they also went at it well, on UFC tonight too. Actually, I I bet you he didn't get it because he was offered a, a a replacement fight and he did not he declined it. Yeah, he, he turned down Michael Johnson. Yeah, who who Habib destroyed, and, but who's also the last person to beat Tony Ferguson. Ah, interesting. Well, yeah, that's a no brainer. Don't take that on short notice. <laughs> yeah, he didn't want any part of that, but. Ferguson and Kevin Lee after Kevin Lee's controversial win over Michael Chiza. Is that how you say it? Yeah, something like that. So, something like that. I apologize if it's wrong, but they... I, uh, I don't. I, make, <laughs> I mess up everyone's name. They interviewed Kevin Lee on UFC Tonight, and he Including and Tony Ferguson... Yeah. He, <laughs> he, he and Ferguson got into it, and it was really nice. I mean, Ferguson's just playing, oh, you know, you're just a young kid. You need to work your way up to fight me. And it's interesting. Uh, apparently, he doesn't need to work his way up to fight you because you're going to fight him at 216. Did you say it was really nice? 
it was really nice from the fans' perspective. It was I love it. I love when fighters talk trash. I hate it when they're just like, you know, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good match, and um, uh, we're gonna bring out the best in each other, and uh, I, re- I really hope for a, a a good fight this time. No, I want to I want to hear some stuff. I, I want. I mean, I guess I'm too Conor McGregor spoiled, but I like I like builds the fights, I like people that sell fights. Yeah. The um. The other news that came out, I think, today, and I hadn't even um, noticed it when you mentioned it to me, was that Dustin Poirier is scheduled to fight Anthony Pettis. Love this matchup. This is great. And it's interesting. It's a really interesting fight. I want to hear what you think about it first. Um, I, I like it a lot. I mean, this is, these are two guys that are dynamic strikers and I, I don't know. I think it's a, I think that when you're putting fights together and you're trying to think of, you know, what will make a good fight, I don't see how this one misses. The scary part about that is sometimes when you think, oh, this is. This is, uh, you know, two strikers, they're going to go at it. Then it ends up a totally different fight, and they're in the clincher on the ground the whole time. Who knows? But um, I think this is a, a, a very int- interesting fight. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm highly interested in it. Yeah, this is one of the best MMA fights I can think that I'm looking forward to. I love this matchup. It's very interesting because both fighters are at really different junctures in their career. Pettis is finally getting back on track with that win over Jim Miller. Seems to be reclaiming the Pettis of old because he couldn't he couldn't buy a win there for a couple years. And Dustin Poirier has only had one loss at lightweight and looks like a completely different fighter since moving up. And um, I I don't know who to pick. I I don't know even who I'm leaning towards right now. It's a it's a toss up. I, can't wait to see what the spread is on this fight. Well, I think um, Poirier, you know, he's always been the guy that has been, um, like, he's never gotten over the hump. So he's like the guy that, like, he has so much talent. And you think, okay, this is where he makes his run. He's turned things around. And then he hits the hits the speed bump. Yeah, that was the he got when he got knocked out by Michael Johnson. Like he was on his way up the rankings, and then bam. Yeah, I mean he'll go win four in a row, and you think, okay, this is where he makes the run. He just got to win this fight, and then he loses, and then he makes another run, and then he loses. Right as he's like on the threshold of like, okay, he wins this fight, he needs to be considered for a title shot. He he loses that fight consistently it reminds me of Derek Brunson when Derek Brunson went on the big tear in middleweight and then lost to Robert Whitaker in the first round and then lost to Anderson Silva in a very very controversial decision but now he seems to be seems to be getting back on track and those two are very interesting it is very interesting well I mean in his last fight Poirier was a no contest it was the Eddie Alvarez. Alvarez fight, yeah. Man, he was winning that fight pretty handily. Did you we watch that one? Yeah, yeah. I, as a matter of fact, I would 
I, I, that's going to be a fight I watch again on Fight Pass tonight, probably, because I want to see that again. Yeah, I just, I mean, Eddie Alvarez just, look, <laughs> it just didn't look like he did before the Conor McGregor fight. It looked like Poirier was handling, I mean, don't get me wrong, Eddie had his flashes of brilliance, but at the time of the disqualification, or the no contest, whatever it was, it, it seemed like Poirier had it pretty well in hand. So going off of memory, didn't um, Alvarez like come out on fire and or no? Is that am I thinking of something else? I gotta watch it again. Yeah, there were there were both of them. It was really back and forth for around. Like they both had good flurries in there, but then it seemed like Poirier was really establishing the dominance on the feet, just outstriking him. So did Alvarez? So this is what my memory is saying. I felt like Alvarez had Poirier rocked very early, like within like thirty seconds of the first round. No, you you might be right. I think he had him rocked at one point, but I I I think it's I think we need to watch the fight. I, I actually <laughs> uh, honestly I could be thinking of a different fight, but I mean. This is this is from May, so who knows? Um, it, it's a fight I really like a lot. <laughs> to answer the question, um, is that headlining UFC Fight Night 120? I believe so on November 11th. That's great. That's yes. a, that's a good. Uh, where is that card at? Do you know? No, I don't. I have no idea where that one's at. Okay. <laughs> Um, Back to the computers. Speaking of, as you look that up, I'm not going to look it up. Speaking of a fight night, um, a card, I think. I don't know what fight night Pittsburgh is. Is that 116? Oh, before we move on, just got announced, added to uh, fight night 120 as well is Diego Sanchez and Matt Brown. Ah, uh, see, that excites you? <laughs> I always, I mean, I think Diego Sanchez is going to get beat pretty bad, but I always like seeing Diego because I always have the memories of Diego Sanchez and Gilbert Melendez, and it's it's almost nostalgic, but then he gets pummeled, and then I feel sad. See, I, I Diego Sanchez, I want to just retire. I want him to go away. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to... I agree with you. I, I just want him to go compete, uh, compete in those uh, submission underground competitions that Shell Sutton puts on, and just do that. That's great. You're yeah. great. You're an amazing practitioner at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Just do that. Yeah. Um. Oh, by the way, UFC Fight Night 116 is the Pittsburgh card. It's 116. Um. But taking a look at that card, have you looked at the card very much? A little bit, but that card is sneakily good. Like, there are some really good fights on there. It's a really good card. So, taking a look at some of these guys, I'm hearing a little bit of echo. Is that coming from yours or mine or what? I don't know. I'm just going to blame you. You're going to blame me? Yeah. Okay, I'll blame you then. (laughs) Um, Obviously, you have Luke Rockhold and David Branch. Then the co-main, the current co-main event, who knows if it ends up staying the co-main event. They could throw another uh, big name in there. 
is Mike Perry and Tiago Alves. Now, Mike Perry, that dude, like, I am so excited to see him fight live. Platinum Mike Perry always delivers. It's going to be, it's going to be incredible to watch Mike Perry. That's, I mean. I mean, that's like, (laughs) he's like, okay, think about this. Mike Perry is is the guy that I mean he just hits hard and he goes all out and I think about the Pittsburgh card the first ever Pittsburgh card had Pat Barry and Czech Congo on it and boy did that fight deliver Czech Congo is unconscious like three times and recovers and knocks Un- out Pat Barry Unbelievable. One of the, <laughs> probably the most exciting seesaw like comeback win ever in MMA history, I believe. I believe if you look at best comebacks in, in UFC history, that would be top two or three. Scott Smith comes to mind. If you yeah. remember that when he got he got absolutely crushed to the body and he winced and he like doubled over and saw the dude like rushing in on him and he just like cocked back and swung and knocked him out. Do you remember that? I remember that one because uh was it Gray Maynard, Frankie Edgar one, where Maynard was just destroying Frankie Edgar for one round, just rocked him and pummeled him, and then Frankie just comes back and finishes him. I don't yeah. know if it was the first I think it was the first one. That's the typical Frankie Edgar back then. I mean, punch him as much as you want. It's fine. It's, it's not. He, he's going to come back and beat you. Oh, look at what happened with BJ Penn. I mean, yep, yep. When he fought him both times, BJ Penn was lighting him up early, and and I mean, not a ton, but BJ Penn looked like the better fighter early, and then Frankie just. But just think about think about that sentence you just said. He was getting lit up by BJ Penn at that point, and now BJ Penn, I mean, has a hard time just punching a wall. And Frankie Edgar is still top of 145. He's still elite. Have you heard anything about BJ Penn? Like, is he done? I'm really hoping he is. I mean, he does not. He just. He looks like a sickly person. He he doesn't need to fight again. It's it's. It's really sad to watch him compete. If anybody watched them, you know, I mean, eight he, years ago, he didn't compete. He wasn't competitive. It, 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 it is not the same guy. Like, either I mean, he might be the same guy, but the the, the MMA landscape has changed and passed him by. It, he needs to get out of there. He may not be the same guy. Who is wearing BJ Penn's skin? Is what I'm going to start asking people. What do you mean? It's just he it doesn't even. Oh yeah, look at that. His last. His last loss was the Dennis Seaver. It's like, uh, I yeah. mean, no disrespect to the Seaver, but no, you're, that, BJ, you're BJ Penn. No, that's that's disrespect to, to Dennis Seaver. <laughs> but he just, BJ Penn just looks like a complete shell of himself. Like, it's, it's hard to believe that's the same fighter I watched growing up. It's just, it's not the same. He needs to retire and just focus on his journalism career. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, does he really have a journalism career, or does he just have, like, a, a, a really good website? 
it's the site. I mean, it just do, the updates news and breaks stories and all that. I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, glad to see an athlete like that transition and do something with mixed martial arts outside of the UFC. Yeah. Um, then we have Hector Lombard, who is uh, who has had his fair share of struggles. I mean, this is a guy who was once considered uh, to be top of the top, and then he came to the UFC at that point, and it's just not been a good run for him. He was 31-2 and two before he got to the UFC, and then he joined the UFC in July of 2012, and he's been 3-2 and two since then. And uh, No, he was 3-2, and two, and then since then he's just – gone on a bad run he he had uh his victory over josh berkman was overturned because he tested positive for steroids in january of 15 and then um in march of 16 he got knocked out by neil magny and then he came back three months later got knocked out by dan henderson and then most recently he lost uh to johnny Hendricks via uh a unanimous decision so I think this is Hector Lombard's. I, I I would be shocked if this isn't his last chance. He was the first ever Bellator middleweight champion too. Yeah, yeah. That's how that's how long Lombard's been around. But no, I agree with you. He hasn't had a win since Jake Shields at UFC 171 in March 2014, and um, that Dan Henderson KO. That that's that's. That's tough to watch. You don't normally see an elbow come from what was it like nine to three and just knock somebody out. Oh, that was tough. Yeah. And he lost to Johnny Hendricks uh, post what like twenty eleven, so that's never a good thing. Yep. Then the next listed fight is is Anthony Hamilton, the freight train against Daniel Spitz. Now Hamilton, you can look at and see. Okay, this is a guy who's on a uh, how many fight losing streak here? He's three and five in the UFC. That's not two, two in a row. He's lost. Lost two in a row. He's three and five in the UFC. That's not a um, someone they typically keep. But if you ever watch an Anthony Hamilton fight, he brings it. He's has super heavy hands and he's a little reckless, but he will go out there and give it his all. And he, he's, he's a tough guy. And so it's going to be a good scrap when you put him in a fight, which excites me because we get to see him. We know not necessarily. It's always, it's not always good for him, but we know he's going to put on a good show and he's facing Daniel Daddy Long Leg Spitz, this the towering Daniel Spitz, um, who made his UFC debut back at UFC 209, and and lost that to uh, Mark Goodbeer, but he took it on short notice, and now this is really his actual debut because there it's tough to debut in the UFC. You got the UFC jitters and all that stuff. And uh, and then he also took it on short notice. So this he'll have a chance to take uh, to have a obviously a full camp and and do all that stuff. So I would really consider this 
his uh, his debut. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Like you said, Hamilton's going to bring it, so you know you're in for a good show. And, I mean, it's going to be great for Pittsburgh. And the, as reckless as Hamilton gets sometimes, I think it's going to be a quick one. Then you got Christoph Jotko, who is a very, very solid fighter um, against Uriah Hall. Both these guys are ranked in the top 15. Uriah Hall's number 14, which I would think would be too high for him. I don't think he should be ranked, to be honest. And, jo- and Jotko is 10th, uh, ranked 10th in the UFC. Uh, most recently, Jotko lost to David Branch, who will be headlining the card. Uh, before that, he was on a five-fight win streak, all in the UFC. Uh, most of his win- this is a guy who wins a lot of decisions. Uh, he's a southpaw, 28 years old. If you have a chance to, uh, you have fight pass, go back and watch his fight a couple fights ago against Tamda McCrory, and that was a great knockout of Tamda Tamda McCrory. McCrory. Ah. So, yeah, check out that on UFC Fight Pass if you have the opportunity. And he's going up against Uriah Hall. Obviously, I think most of us know who Uriah Hall is. He's a guy with a great amount of talent and a tremendous amount of disappointment. Um, He doesn't look inspired. He doesn't look like a fighter. Uh, He doesn't look like he has a fighter mentality. And he... He's very hesitant. He doesn't look confident a lot of his fights. And he's also won some very big fights in his in his day, in his time in the UFC. So that should be a good fight. Uh, and honestly, Uriah Hall, he, he's at the point where he's lost three straight fights. If he loses this, this would be four. But he's lost it to some very good competition. Top, top of the, le- you know, of the weight class type of competition. So he lost to Masasi, lost to Brunson, he lost to Whitaker. So you can't really, um, you know, frown upon him too much. What do you think of that fight? Will Uriah Hall get out of the first round for the first time in his last – he hasn't been out of the first round in his last two fights. He's been knocked out. Do you think he gets out of the first round? Well, I mean, he went to a, a decision with Whitaker and that lost. Yeah, that was three fights ago. Correct, but I'm saying yeah. Um, uh, that was I mean, his last two fights. Like you said, though, he just looked so uninspired. Like it was, like he doesn't have that fighter mentality. I don't. He, do, he doesn't. He he looks like he has all the fu- he has the skills. Yeah. He just doesn't look like. I mean, there are times uh, you look at the first Musasi fight, and I don't know if you remember it off the, but. He came out the second round. He did a spinning, uh, a spinning kick that kicked him right in the face, and it didn't knock him out, but it really dazed him. And he came charging in, and he nailed him with the flying knee. Yep. And it was absolutely awesome, and that's the flashes we see from him, where we get so much promise. Like this guy is a dynamic striker, and. And then he he poops the bed the next time, and it just he poops the bed more than he does those has those flashes of greatness. Yeah, I 
I think he gets beat and he gets released from his contract after a four fight losing streak. Yeah, I, I, I have to say I agree with you. But it's do you remember the Uriah Hall it was when he was in uh, on the Ultimate Fighter? He threw that wheel kick, that spinning wheel kick, and just knocked the guy out cold. It was one of the best knockouts I've ever seen. I just don't know what happened to that fighter. Yeah. He's uh he's certainly someone that you can get frustrated over. And then next we have uh the Nigerian nightmare Kamara Usman, who is the thirteenth ranked uh welterweight in the world, going up against Sergio M- uh Ice. I think that's how you say his name. Mice. <laughs> Mice. Sounds like you're scared. You just saw a rodent. You are scared. You should be scared. <laughs> Mice should be scared of Nigerian nightmare. So, and you know what Sergio's nickname is? What is it? He's the Panther. And I live in a, in a neighborhood where that's our thing. We're the Panthers. So, okay. So Usman is 5-0 and in the UFC. Most, most of his wins are by decision. He won uh, the Ultimate Fighter 21 welterweight championship. He's 29 years old. He looks pretty, he looks like he's uh, chiseled. And uh, his only loss, it was a second pro bout. He's 10-1. and very solid fighter, not much of a risk taker. And then you have his opponent, Sergio, was six one and one in the UFC. Thirty five years old. Um, he lost his first UFC fight, and he's won every one since, except for he had a draw. They, one of the few draws we see in the UFC. Um, but this is a guy who's well-rounded. He's able to win, you know, submit people. He's able to knock people out, and he wins a lot of he wins decisions as well. So that's this a good. Gonna be, it's going to be interesting. Both of them are big decisionators to see which which style comes out on top. Yeah. So yeah, there's obviously a couple more fights on the card. And there's room on the card, which makes me believe that there is going to be a Yinzer added to the card. A Yinzer. And do you want to talk about all the trash talk going on with Rock, Holden, Branch? Well, I, I I would love to. What do you think about it? What are you making of this? Well, it's been about a week since I looked at it. Um, basically, uh, Rock, Holden said that you know this is not really the person I wanted to fight but it got to a point where I just had to take a fight because it just wasn't happening with anyone else that's it in a nutshell right that's pretty much it and I think honestly it's gonna inadvertently work out for him it's good you know he's been on the schneid he got knocked out by Bisbing he hasn't had over a year off time to recover and relax and now you get an, I don't want to say an easy fight, but an easier one than he deserves, and I think it's good for him. Well, and, and but does 
he have ring rust? Is it, you know, do you get ring rust in a year? When yeah. you're, when you're used to fighting every four months. That's interesting. I'd have to look back at Rockhold's thing because same thing with Tony Ferguson. Is he going to have ring rust as well? It's been over a year. And I, uh, I, I, I would have to think he would. Yeah. See, I, I, I believe so as well. And, um, but no, it's interesting to see. But I think Rockhold has the advantage of facing an opponent, which I believe is not to his caliber. So even if he has a little bit of ring rust, I think he should be able to get out of there with an easy win. Yeah. Um, that about wraps us up. Do you have anything else to add? Frank Mir. Frank Mir signed with Bellator MMA. Another big name. Now, I don't know. Um, he, he's going to have to continue to serve his suspension. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to be honest. I love Frank Mir. All right, Ryan, we're gonna, let's play a quick game. I'm going to name a fighter, and you tell me if Frank Mir can beat him. That's Look at that. Frank Mir meet and greet. So when I went out to uh, Seattle, Frank Mir was at a meet and greet after the after the. uh... Oh, when you party with Nick Diaz? Yes. Well, I didn't party (laughs) with him at all. But after this, UFC on Fox Four went to the meet and greet, shook Frank Mir's hand. Anyway, I love Frank Mir. All right, now tell me this. Can Frank Mir, I'm going to read off the top five in Bellator heavyweights. Can Frank Mir beat Rampage? You're calling Rampage a heavyweight just because he weighs 255 pounds? He's a heavy, that's what he's listed at on Bellator's I, 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 Oh, is he now listed as a, yeah, I mean, he, he fought a heavyweight fight but I, against King Mo, but I just, I didn't know that he was moving to heavyweight. I think he's staying there. I mean, he's always had the issue. Do you think, you think Mir can beat him? Honestly, yes. Do you think Mir can beat one? Because a a 255-pound rampage is not an in-shape rampage. All right. Do you think he can beat Roy Nelson? Yeah. Okay. I I don't don't think he – I don't think it's like he he would definitely beat him. I think he could. Yeah, absolutely. King Mo. Well, King Mo's not a heavyweight. He's not. Right. Gonna, he's not going to fight heavyweight ever again. All right, Matt Mitch, uh, Mitrione. No. Okay. Not at this point. Okay, that's about I think Come on. three years ago, I think he could. Yeah. Well, it, it's not like you're. It's not like you're talking about a division that's like super deep in Bellator. Oh, not at all. And I also think Frank Mir's chin has gotten to a point where it's suspect. And this is a very intelligent guy. He can make a lot of money doing other things. And I think he's playing with fire trying to get into the octagon or in the Bellator cage again because I think that his brain, every time he goes in there, is at risk. Yeah, tell him to stop trying to be a boxer and just go to the ground again. I would love to see him choke out Fedor, though. That'd be great. I mean, I I think he... He would get destroyed by Fedor on, Fedor on on the feet. 
Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Fedor just looks like Vladimir Putin, like ate a grizzly bear. That's what. That's exactly what Fedor looks like. Do you do you you like his sweater? <laughs> you know, I was so disappointed when I went to the Bellator fight in at 180, and and there I am, front row, press row. The whole time he never wore his sweater. No wonder he lost. Hello, Fedor. You gotta wear the sweater. What do they call it? Uh, Bellator merch. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Do you know what sweater I'm talking about? Yeah, I remember seeing it. The glorious sweater of Fedor sweater. Hold on, let me see what they call it. See it? Oh, yeah. Fedor Emelianenko's glorious sweater of absolute victory. You know which sweater it is, right? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it before, and I just pulled up another picture of it. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> He's so funny. Oh, gosh. He... All right, uh, last thing I got for you is on Monday Night Raw, Paul Heyman was cutting a promo, and, you know, take it for what it's worth, but, it, you know, it just got me a little excited. He said... I, 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 saw, I read about it. You see, when Brock Lesnar doesn't win the title, you might as well lock him in a cage. Because that's exactly what would happen. Yeah, that's how you negotiate contracts. You don't pay me all, I'm going to go back to the UFC and fight in a big fight. See ya. Yeah, that's the second time they've teased that. On, yeah. Like Paul Heyman's teased it on a promo. Yeah, like I said, though, we just need to get a clause where Paul Heyman can come back with Brock and introduce him. Like, I I love Bruce Buffer, but come on. It's, it's Paul Heyman. I don't even care if he introduces him. I, like, just have him there. At all times when Brock's being interviewed. <laughs> Have him do all of his press form. That would be oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> it's so weird. Well, the funny thing is, like, Brock was so good at promoting his own fights in UFC, mm-hmm. but like he's horrible in WWE. And I think it's because like the real versus fake, like the expectation is completely different. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And man, Paul Heyman is just legend. Legend on the mic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else from you, Andrew? That's all it, man. We're way over on time. But that's <laughs> Sorry, fine. That's fine. Um, we enjoyed another episode of MMA FanCast. Guys, there's a lot of stuff going on. I would encourage you to uh, to check out the website octagon247.com we will continue to have more and more content and really focusing on this mark Cherico debut um, the ufc coming to pittsburgh as well as conor mcgregor and floyd mayweather on the 26th lots of great stuff going on Visit our social media sites like our Facebook page, our Instagram, our Twitter, um, all of those good stuff, as well as our YouTube page. And we will continue to build our content uh, for you guys. So um, with that being said, oh, the other thing is you're listening to this podcast right now. We need for you to go on subscribe to rate and review us. We need we need that um, it's extremely important and helpful for us 
So with that said, we um, are, are happy you joined us. And we look forward to um, next week is a really fun week of MMA. We'll be back with you early next week uh, to get ready for Mark Cherico's debut on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series on obviously Tuesday night. <laughs> and um, as well as talking about the big fight, the money fight. Floyd Mayweather going to lose against Conor McGregor. Now, I don't really think he's going to lose. I'd love for him to, but I don't think he is. We're, we'll have tons of coverage on that for you next week. Thank you so much for joining us. It is our pleasure to have you here. So on behalf of the entire crew at Octagon247.com and MMA FanCast, thank you. God bless. Good night. We'll be right